Hi, this is Becky. And Patricia. We are former college teammates and believe that life is a team sport. Our goal is to encourage and inspire strong women, families, and communities using lessons learned from sport. Welcome to the team room. All right. Well, welcome back to the team room. You are listening to Life is a Team Sport. I'm Patricia, and I'm here with Becky, and we are continuing our topic of healthy, wealthy, and wise this month. We've talked to a couple different people about health. Last week, we talked to someone about wealth and budgeting and finance, and today we're here to take a little bit different look at health. And we're going to hear from someone who's going to talk about their eating disorder that they had and how they were able to work through that and things that helped them along the way to getting healthy and being wise. So we are looking forward to getting into that. Uh, Becky, how are you doing? I am wonderful. It is October. It's a fresh, crisp morning in South Jersey, and I'm excited for the day. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. It's, it's funny. I, I get cold really easily, but it warms up enough in the afternoon that I'm still enjoying the weather, but you know, stay tuned come November. I'll be wearing seven layers. It's fine. True. And I'll still be wearing like two, but it's all <laughs> I run it hot. So it's going to be, it's going to be a great day. I'm excited. I get to meet Bailey today and uh, well, uh, Bailey, welcome to the show. Yeah. Hello. Hello. So Bailey is a friend of mine. I actually met her when she was a gymnast at University of Maryland. She did gymnastics there for four years, and now she is teaching special ed in Montgomery County, Maryland, which is really cool. I love listening to her talk about her students and just the way that she loves them. Um, And hopefully we'll hear a little bit about that today. We'll also hear a little bit more about um, the eating disorder that you battled. And so I'm, I'm really excited just to kind of get into that whole conversation. Um, but Bailey, before we do that, we would love to hear something from your highlight reel. What are you loving right now? Um, so yesterday actually started the countdown to Christmas on the Hallmark channel. Yeah. <laughs> and it is my favorite time of year. I know it hasn't even hit Halloween yet, but on October 22nd, I am like Hallmark channel is on this morning. I was watching it with my coffee and I was just so excited for the holidays. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay. So now coffee question. Are you drinking the peppermint flavored creamer yet in your coffee to go with the Christmas? I have not started that yet. We're still on the pumpkin, but for the okay. next grocery time, when I go grocery <laughs> shopping, that'll be my next purchase. See, I, I don't know, you know, love it or hate it, but I never got on the pumpkin spice train. I just, it's not my thing. So the minute the the peppermint shows up in the store, which was probably about three weeks ago. I buy yeah. it. So I've been drinking peppermint for a good little while already. Yeah. The peppermint mocha at Starbucks is one of my favorite drinks for sure. Me too. Me That's too. Awesome. That's so funny. Awesome. Well, I'll have to let my daughter know that the Hallmark channel is already playing Christmas movies because she's also one of those that loves to sit and watch those. I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, today we have a heavy topic to talk about, but I'm really thankful that you're willing to come on here and share because I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with. Either they have struggled with it in the past, they are struggling with it now, or they know someone who is or has struggled with it. Um, And so 
we're going to kind of get into that. But first, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. Tell us a little bit about your family and a little bit about your background with sports. Okay, so I have, um, it's family of four. So it's my mom and my dad and my brother. My brother is at Towson right now. Um, And I kind of grew up in a family that's surrounded around sports. Like my mom is a PE teacher. My dad has an amazing resume. He's worked with a lot of um, professional athletes and my brother played football. Um, And so sports has been a huge part, which is why I went and I actually got my master's in physical education. Um, And then I started gymnastics when I was four years old. Um, And I did it all the way through college at the University of Maryland. And yeah, that is any other questions you have of my family, I'd be happy to answer. No, that's, that's really good. So Mm -hmm. gymnastics, I feel like is one of those sports having, you know, been a parent of a gymnast that Mm -hmm. you, you only do that sport. There, there are very few gymnasts that I know that are multi-sport athletes. So were you, did you only do gymnastics or did you play other sports as well? When I was really little, they actually, my parents put me in I swimming, horseback riding, and gymnastics, oh, and soccer. And then it came to where I made the Hills gymnastics team. So that was a lot more of a time commitment. Mm-hmm. So my mom was like, all right, Bales, we have to cut some things out. So I chose gymnastics. Um, and as I continued to progress in gymnastics and went up to different levels, I was training twice a day. So I would have morning practice and afternoon practice. So it started in fifth grade. I would have practice at 630 and then it would end at 930. So I would show up to school at 10 um, and then I would go to practice after school. Um, So I missed out on some of my elective classes and things like that. But for the most part, my principals were always supportive of our um, gymnastics schedule, which was really nice. Yeah, that's really good. And I'm very familiar with that schedule. Yes, you are. (laughs) (laughs) So that consumes an extraordinary amount of your time. How much of your identity did that consume as well growing up? Um. I would like to say like almost all of it. I remember being referred to as the gymnast in school. So that was like my name sometimes. Um, And it's really interesting because you go to college to get, you know, an education. But when you're a D1 athlete, I feel like you're also going for the sport. Mm -hmm. And you don't, no one really talks about what happens after you graduate right? You don't have the sport anymore. And I went through a huge identity crisis at that time. And just around that time, I started going to a Christian church in my community um, and where I started to learn about my identity and where it comes from. Um, So that was a huge moment in my life, a huge season in my life um, because it was a transition. And so it was like, everything was new. So it was like, okay, I'm going to dive into this and, you know, figure out who I am, what I love and why I'm here. All right. Um, so today I know we're getting into the topic of the eating disorder. So why don't you kind of give us a little bit of background and just kind of tell us kind of where that all started. Okay. Um, so I noticed in probably high school, you know, you go through puberty 
Um, and I started, I started gaining weight in areas that I wasn't used to, um, and being a high level athlete, right. Competing and being in a leotard, it was kind of triggering for me. And I never went through any like eating abnormalities in, in high school. But I think once I turned transitioned to college, um, my freshman year, I gained a lot of weight. Um, and I didn't like it because it was affecting my gymnastics. So I wasn't able to do the, my routines like I was used to, they were becoming more challenging. It was hard. So I took it upon myself. Like I want to compete on this team. You know, I'm here to represent the university of Maryland. So I decided to kind of go on a diet, I guess. Um, what I would call it. So I started restricting myself from certain foods and I started losing a lot of weight and my gymnastics was really easy. I was really light. And my main event was the uneven bars. So not having a lot of weight and being like light as a feather, I was swinging, I was doing all my routines. It was great. And this time was over the summer. So we weren't training as hard. We weren't going to lifting practice, right? We didn't have um, our boot camp. Um, it was just um, summer um, practices at the gym, nothing really too strict. And I was doing full bar routines and everything like that. And then, um, so that was my freshman year. I, I gained weight. My sophomore year, I started to lose a lot of the weight. My gymnastics was becoming easier. And then come my junior year, um, the fall started and the expectations of, of us were getting higher, right? We needed to start doing our lift, our lifts again. We were doing boot camp, getting prepared for the season. And I realized that I was hungry because we were training more um, and I needed more fuel in my body to get the energy I needed to get through practice. And, um, so I, that's when the bulimia kind of started because I was hungry and, but I didn't want to eat the food because I knew I would gain weight. And at this time, um, I was practicing and then I would go to the gym afterward and run up to sometimes six miles at the gym. This was after practice. Um, sometimes after lift, I became obsessed with it. I had a scale in my room and I would weigh myself. And if it wasn't the number I liked, then I would do anything to get the number to where I needed it to be. Um, and within my means, that wasn't um, possible. So I think that's where a lot of the mental um, illness came in. And I was struggling and I struggled with bulimia for about a year. Um, I hid it from everyone. My family didn't know. My friends didn't know. I was really good at hiding it. However, my bones, my muscles, um, they weren't getting the nutrients it needed. So I struggled with dislocations on a regular basis. So my shoulders were dislocating on bars um, and no one really knew why. Um, I wasn't telling anyone, but looking back, I, I know why. Um, and so it came to a point, this went on into my senior year and I needed to get shoulder surgery because my labrum was torn too much and it just kept coming out on a regular basis. So I ended up having to stop my career 
And I became like an assistant my senior year and just supported the team from the sidelines. It was really sad, but that also gave me an opportunity to start healing. Um, So you guys can ask questions now. I'm sure you have some, but that's kind of like a general, what kind of happened. (laughs) I just am very, um, curious person, I think sometimes with on our podcast, because I love meeting these people. I don't know, like, you know, Patricia, Patricia, mm-hmm. knows really well, which is awesome. Um, I just had a question about um, when you were saying um, you got into church after college, more or less, mm-hmm. and you, the Lord. Um, you, so you, you weren't really following the Lord when you were in college. Is that correct? You would say your family wasn't really church going. God wasn't first, which is fine. That's many. That's that's how God draws us to Himself. So when you were going through this in college, what Mm -hmm. what holding on to? What do you feel was like um, your foundation, or or um, kind of what guided you? Because you're you're healthy now, and you're teaching, and you know you're you're on the other side of it more or less. So can you go back just a little bit, maybe in those years? Yeah. Definitely. So I'll do like a little recap. So my family, I grew up Catholic. My mom is super into her faith, just in a different way. Um, And so I, I knew of God. I didn't really know God as a friend. Um, And so I remember being at my lowest point and I do remember getting on my floor and praying because I came almost to the end of myself where I was like, I can't do this on my own. Um, And I didn't really know what was happening, but I had a roommate, which Patricia knows her name is Lauren Ball, and she was um, on the track team. And I remember she would invite me to FCA meetings. And a lot of times I would be like, Lauren, I have an anatomy exam. I can't come to that. Like, I don't have time. And she was like, Bailey, just come. You don't have to stay long. And I remember like going and, um, we would play these games sometimes and I would ask her for help because we would need to know like the certain Bible people in the Bible and she was helping me. And I was just like, what is going on? But I always enjoyed it. Um, I always felt good when I left. And so it's cool looking back. She planted a seed in my heart that ended up, you know, growing. I just didn't know it at the time. Um, so I think what held me together is honestly, not wanting to disappoint people, I think, because I made it so far that I didn't want to let anyone down. And I didn't want anyone to know I was struggling and I didn't know where to go to for help. So I just kind of kept it all inside. And yeah, it was a weird time. I, I stopped a lot of times when you go through something like this, what the enemy likes to do is isolate you. And I felt really isolated. I felt alone. And, um, I remember my relationship with my, with my mom, it was just, I used to call her every day and I stopped calling, right. I stopped hanging out with my friends as much. And it was just like, just an isolation. (laughs) Yeah. So, but I guess not wanting people to know is kind of what held it all together in a weird way. <laughs> that is, that is really what happens with um, eating disorders and things that mm-hmm. we don't want others to know. Um, it's a control. I've done some, I have some background in that with family members. So there is a, there's some control. It's the one thing you could control. And so you did. And um, so thank you for sharing. This is a really hard topic. It's a very sensitive topic, but um, you felt alone then Bailey, but as you're sharing now, there are women and men that go through this and you're, you're able to tell them like, you're not alone and there's somebody there. So if looking back, like 
were there any coaches or friends, like when you did finally start coming out of it that you were able to share with, and then they were able to um, help you. And how did that look? Yeah. So this was a huge turning point. I was at a um, gymnastics meet at uh, Rutgers university and I was on, um, I was competing that day and I remember doing my bar routine and I fell twice and I had no energy to finish the routine. And it was, I mean, there was a lot of people there. It's, you know, at a huge (laughs) university, I was really embarrassed. And I remember my coach looking at me and he said, you need to salute, which means you need to finish your routine. And I knew that was bad because I, I didn't even get to my dismount. I couldn't get there. So, um, after that meet, when we got home, um, we drove the bus home and I said, I need to tell someone. Um, so I took my coaches aside and I said, I need to meet with you tomorrow in your office. And I need to tell you guys something. And they immediately were so worried because they were like, this is kind of out of left field. Right. So I remember going into their office and they were all three were there. And I remember just crying and telling them that I had an eating disorder, but I couldn't say the word bulimia. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed is that Um, coming to terms with a disease like that, I think once you start to speak it out, you give the enemy less control over it because you have authority over it. Right. But I wasn't at a point where I could call it out yet. I wasn't there. It was still, I was embarrassed and I wasn't ready to like fight it yet. It was more like, I need to come to a place where I'm ready to battle this. Um, and so I got in touch with a, they got me in touch with a psychologist, um, and I started seeing one regularly and she was amazing. Um, and they actually put me on a medication and I think for that season, I don't have anything against medicine. I think that it can serve a purpose. And then as I grew in my faith, I realized I did not want to manage the disease anymore. I wanted to be set free from the disease. And that's where the power and the blood of Jesus comes. And so it took years to get to that place. And so when I think about medicine, I'm like, I'm thankful for that psychologist and doctors that were able to get me to a stable place where I can eventually be at a place where I can tackle this without medication. So that's kind of, yeah, I'll stop here. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really good. And I think I want to go back to something you said just a minute ago um, about speaking what's going on mm-hmm. out loud, because I think there's a lot of power in that. And whether someone is struggling with an eating disorder or something else, I think all of us have dealt with periods of isolation over the last year and a half and feelings of I'm all alone and no one understands, right? And so speaking out loud what is happening to you and how it's making you feel, I think there's a lot of power in that. It's like taking all that stuff that's in the dark and dragging it out into the light. And, you know, to continue that analogy, sunlight is disinfecting. Mm -hmm. So when we drag it out there, we're able to see it for what it is and start to disinfect all of the lies that have been harboring in the dark. So I think there's a lot of power in that for sure. Yes. Patricia, that's, that's what I was thinking. And Patricia, you hit that right on the head. Mm -hmm. And the 
other thing that goes along with that, Bailey, is that you told someone else and you put someone else's, you leaned into somebody else who's healthy in that area to support you. And I've seen that, at, we've Patricia and I have seen that in our life this past year, where we grab a friend or a family member and we lean on their strength and their wholeness, mental health at the time, because you recovered and you're healing. We all struggle different things, but at that time you needed someone else strength to step in the gap, to stand with you and say, you're going to mm-hmm. make it. We're not leaving you and you're going to come through this. So um, Patricia and I have been through this and um, we've seen it in our life. And Patricia really hit that on the head with when you, and our words have power. So when we speak mm-hmm. the truth, speak it out. Um, and our yeah. Bible uses that, but even I right. teach students that your words have power. What you say means something, whether they know it or not. So, yeah. Definitely. And I want to just give a little shout out to my coaches at Maryland because they were amazing. Like it brings tears to my eyes because they were like a family to me and I really could not have gotten through without them. And they supported me every step of the way. And it wasn't just like fixed overnight. Like it was a process and we had little code names for each other. Like we had little, just like, we just knew, right. And it would be a, g- a good day or it was a bad day and it was okay. Like, we're going to do this together. Um, and so I just wanted to say that. And also my, my family too, it took me a while to tell them, but once I did everyone, like that's why community is so important and we need people to help us get through some of these difficult times. So yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there. I I love that. I love all three of them as well. They're they're still coaching at Maryland and I get to work with them every day. And uh that's that's really, really cool to hear how they handled it. And that does not surprise me yeah. at all um, that they handled it that way. So going back to telling your family, that was one thing I wanted to ask you. Um, because you know, that can feel a little different, right? A little mm-hmm. scarier, maybe to tell your family. So you said, you know, that they supported you, which I think is amazing, but how long did you wait to tell them and how did that go? Um, I waited probably just as long to tell my coaches as my family. Um, it was probably a, a year. Um, I waited and I remember vividly it was Thanksgiving and I'm really close with both my parents, but in this situation, it was my, my dad um, that I really felt connected with, um, on this and not that my, my mom's amazing. I don't know why it was just something like my dad and I had, and, um, it was Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving was, it's really hard for people that are struggling with an eating disorder, especially bulimia. And I remember like I would hide in my room. Um, I would just find places where I was alone. Um, you know, and so, It was at the end of the night and I told him, I said, I need to tell you something. And he came into my room and we just sat there and he just waited and was just like guessing of like what it could be. Cause I was so scared to say anything. Um, and then I finally told him I, all I had to say was food and he knew like pretty right away. I'm sure my parents had conversations without me. Um, and he hugged me. And we just both were like, I was crying and it was really emotional, but it was, you know, sometimes you have to have a breakdown to have a breakthrough. And from that moment on, like, I remember my parents like had conversations with my psychologist. So we were all in it together. I didn't feel isolated anymore. 
I didn't feel alone anymore. Um, and I was ready to fight. <laughs> um, and the recovery process, I'm going to be honest, is just as hard as being, you know, in the disease, because what happens when you struggle with bulimia is your digestive system forgets how to digest food. Um, I remember I couldn't even eat a salad. Um, it was that bad. Mm-hmm. And so I had to learn, my body had to learn how to, you know, digest food again. And that was really hard because your stomach is like, everything just gets out of whack. And that's where my mom came into play. Cause she's a woman. And I'm like, mom, I don't fit in my clothes. Nothing fits me. I can't be in a bathing suit. I can't go outside. And it was just like, but at least I had people I could go to for help at this point. Um, so yeah, <laughs> the recovery process was a while. <gasps> Yeah. So how long roughly did that? Was it like weeks? Was it months? Did it take a year? Months, months, months. Yeah. Until I felt like my body was normal again. I mean, I go in my closet sometimes and I have different size clothes ranges from like large to small to medium to extra small. So, you know, like it was just a whole range and it's so cool talking about this. I'm so happy, but like, I don't struggle with the eating disorder to the slightest bit anymore. Like I am completely healed. I love food. My favorite food is burger. I love McDonald's. Like I can eat a McDonald's burger and French fries and be so happy. Um, <laughs> I do try. I mean, I eat healthy. I just eat in um, moderation and yeah, I was just obsessed with it. And now it's just like food to fuel my body. And a lot of times when I'm struggling in a different area, let's say in my life, I think back, Jesus, like you helped me get through this. Like I can trust you with this, right? Like it's a place I go back to a lot being like, wow, you got helped me through this. Like I can, I can tackle anything. So it's kind of a staple in my life. That's really powerful. No, I really love that. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, as you kind of, I mean, we can hear your joy now, you know, the freedom that you feel now, which is amazing. But what advice would you have for people who are in it right now, who are struggling right now? Um, I've thought about this. And one of the thoughts that I always had was, I have to deal with this for the rest of my life. Like I really thought in my mind, in my heart and my soul that, wow, I have to live however long with this. And I'm just, this is just what my life is, you know, and that's not true. And I know that you're probably listening if someone has this and you're like, I don't believe you, but I'm telling you that's not true, right? Like it's you just, I mean, step one is like we said, is telling someone, um, and not being afraid because you think, well, if I start eating again, then I'm going to gain weight. And like, you have all of these thoughts that are lies. And I think once you get help and from a professional, um, then you start to realize like those thoughts that I have are distorted and they're not, they don't have substance to them. Right. Those are our lies and they're kind of um, there to distract and deter you. So I guess one is believing that it's not forever and getting help right away as fast as you can. And just maybe telling one person you trust, 
right? It doesn't have to be everybody. Just start with one. That's good. Yeah, that's really good, Bailey. Thank you for sharing that. Thank Mm -hmm. you. That's really powerful. Yeah, no, I I love that. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that that is going to help at least one person, but I really think that we can take that and we can relate it to a lot of things in life, right? So whether you're struggling with eating disorder or you're struggling with something else and you're feeling isolated, telling one person that you trust and putting words to it, I think is great advice. And also remembering that this is happening for a season and coming to grips with the fact that number one, this is my reality, Mm -hmm. right? This is what's happening and that it is temporary, that it's happening for a season and that it can change. Yeah. And I'll add one more thing is it is like a journey. So like if you, it's not going to be perfect, right? When you say, okay, I'm ready to tackle this. Like you're going to slip up sometimes and like, don't get mad at yourself for not being perfect. Cause I also struggle with like perfection. And you know, if I, if you, if you do take, you can always, um, get back on track. Right. So it's just don't, think that it's over. If you mess up once it's, it's going to take some time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that true? Really life? Good. We're always going to make mistakes. <laughs> We're going to go backwards a couple of steps and forward four, four and then backwards. Yeah. Four. So, but it's good you yes. say that because when you're dealing with an eating disorder, I can imagine that you'd want to just, once you say I'm done, I'm going to be done. Right. And I want to get out of this. Like, that's my personality too. Like let's, we're done. Yeah. Let's move. Yep. That's not, that is, you're right. That is not how eating disorders or a lot of things that disorders or addictions happen. They, they take time and they take, you know, you're going to mess up and have to come back around sometimes. So, but yeah. I appreciate you sharing that in moderation. I heard the word moderation and I mm-hmm. was just to my seventh graders <laughs> once they're of age is moderation and everything because it's moderation oh, yeah. instead of, um, you know, going one way or the other on everything, you know, so yes. I'm sure a lot of athletes do deal with a lot of these things. Cause as athletes, we are, a lot of us are probably perfectionists a little yeah. bit in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be good at things and that's, that's okay. However, then it leads down these roads, but I'm so grateful yeah. you came on. I'm so happy that you're able to share. So oh, yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate you willing to share your story and, and the perspective that you have now. And, uh, I think it's going to help a lot of people. So before we let you go, mm-hmm. we definitely want to hear something from your blooper reel. Okay. Um, I thought this morning when I woke up, I was thinking like, what is something I can share? And now I'm still like thinking, what can I share? <laughs> Um, I guess something really, I guess this is funny. I don't know, but I am a person that's known for, I hate getting gas for my car. (laughs) And I remember this was last, this was two weeks ago and I ran out of gas, um, on literally coming into Damascus and I pulled to the side of the road. And luckily these two gentlemen, I had no gas. I could, I was like, 10 feet from the gas pump. And these two gentlemen were so sweet and nice. And they pushed my car up the side of the road to get to the gas pump. And I come home and my parents are like, Bailey, this is the third time this has happened. And I was like, I know triple a has become like my best friends. And they're like, Bailey, we cannot let you go. I'm like 27 years old and I still hate getting gas. And I'm just like, Oh my goodness. I need to get myself together here, but 
Yeah, that's my blooper for the week. <laughs> Good. That's funny. I, oh, that just makes my blood pressure go up, actually. So I feel like there's two kinds of people, right? There's the people who like live on E, and then there's the people who get to like half a tank of gas yeah. and they're like, oh my gosh, I need gas. Yeah, no. I'm like, I can make this. I can. No, you can't. Like, pull over and get gas. I don't know why it's such a problem for me. <laughs> you know what? Okay, so I do get that a little bit. I plan my gas stops, which just sounds, <laughs> I don't know, probably a certain kind of way. But if you know me, you're just laughing right now. It's fine. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm thinking through and I'm like, okay, so I have, you know, three qu- like three quarters of a tank is gone. I have a quarter of a tank still, but tonight I'm going to want to go straight home after the event. In the morning, I have to take kids somewhere right. and then I have to be somewhere else. And I'm thinking through all the places. Yes. And I'm like, oh, I need gas now. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I have to stop now because now I have time, but later I won't have time. Yeah. And so <laughs> That's true, Patricia. Yeah. I'm with you like that. I'm with you sometimes like that because I drive far too. So like if I can't get to work right. without a gas tank. So I'm a little bit with, with, with Bailey because I'll be like, oh, I have 30 miles. So yeah. I can probably to another like three places but I, so I'm in the middle of you two <laughs> and it's so funny because I normally don't live on the edge like that like you know doing that type of you know stuff and I don't know this is like yeah I don't know I need to with the gas you're just like Woo-hoo! I'm just like it's gas I don't want to spend money on gas <laughs> I'm silly oh man that yeah. is funny. Well, it was nice of them to push you to the gas station. Yes, they were so sweet. And I, you know, drove the car while they pushed it around and we made it happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's amazing. I'm getting a mental picture. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Cool. Well, at the very end of our podcast, we always pass the ball, mm-hmm. which is giving you the opportunity to shout out another woman in life who has inspired you. So who would you like to pass the ball to? Um, I said her name earlier in my podcast, but my um, really good friend, Lauren Ball, who's on the track team, um, she actually came to my church a couple weeks ago, and it was just so cool to have her there. She met my pastor, and um, she just planted the seed. And for her, like, I'm just so thankful for her. And, you know, we don't live in the same state. But we encourage each other through text message. We call each other and we're just always by each other's side, even if we're like states apart. And I love her and I'm so proud of her. And yeah, I think she's amazing. She is amazing. I love Lauren. I have this mental picture in my mind of Lauren. So Lauren was a pentathlete at University of Maryland on the track team. And I have this mental picture of her. She was at an FCA camp with us in a boot playing. Um, what's that game where they pull a chair every time and you have to like find a chair, you know, where they walk yeah. around. Musical chairs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they walk around. They. She was like beating people out the way to like get in a chair in a boot. <laughs> Just she's a beast, man, but love her heart to serve and love yeah. that she planted the so oh that's amazing we love you lauren love you (laughs) (laughs) awesome well thank you again bailey for being willing to share your story Mm -hmm. and just for being vulnerable on here um it's a really tough topic i think for a lot of people to um talk about and even though it's happened in the past and you feel free from it i think you know there's still this 
stigma, I think, for a lot of people to being able to talk about that in their past. And so your willingness to get on here and just share your story and share, you know, advice for someone struggling with that, I think is going to help a lot of people. So thank you so much for coming on here. Of course. I was so happy to be here today to talk about it because it's been a topic I haven't gotten the opportunity to share a lot about. So being here today really means a lot. Well, thank you. It means a lot to us too. And if you would like to get more information on this topic, we will post um, some links of places that you can get good information, um, as well as um, information in our show notes. So um, Bailey, is there a place people can follow you on social media? Do you have an Instagram or something? I do have an Instagram. Um, It's called Bales Philbin. People call me Bales as a nickname. So Bales Philbin, you can follow me. I'll follow you back. And I'm always open to you can message me um, to get in touch with me. And yeah, I'll get back to you. Perfect. Love that. So we will link her Instagram on our Instagram. Um, you can also follow us at Life is a Team Sport. All of the words have an underscore between them. Um, and we will post links to this episode, as well as all of our, our other episodes on there, as well as lots of other cool um, information that you can get on there as well. And as always, life is a team sport and you are never alone.